so nice to be here. Man, second service uh, at a 9 o'clock Sunday, my Lord. I'm uh, feeling like privileged, and uh, I really fit into this sort of setting because uh, we've started so many churches and uh, started with a lot less than, uh, than the number of people here, so you're way ahead. I've started churches in garages with uh, a tambourine and a Casio board and uh, <laughs> nothing much at all. And uh, that we started the we started the Parramatta Church like that, in uh, a couple's house called Gordon and Julie Lewis, and we started that church 30 years ago, and it's still going. It's one of our campuses now, and uh, and that couple have become extraordinarily prosperous, and uh, doing all kinds of things to help preach the gospel all around the world. And uh, so I can tell you that not just starting, but actually going for a long time. 30 years later, you might be just starting out here today, but i got to tell you, they, they actually sell, they had a company that made seats, and, uh, and they, they made military seats for jeeps and military vehicles so that when bombs went off underneath, the, the passengers and the driver didn't get blown up. So they were and they've signed a contract with the U.S. military, I think, for 60,000 of these seats to be installed in all their, all their weird kind of business. You know, I mean, who would ever think of doing something like that? And who would ever think you could make millions and millions of dollars doing things like that? Astonishing. And then for truck drivers so they don't get back problems with seats that sort of wobble around the right way and all this kind of thing. They made, and they, he, I went and saw his factory and prayed over all the, all the, uh, all the machinery. So then somebody came along and said, I want to buy it. So he sold it to them for an extraordinary amount. And now uh, they stand up and say, we just believe in God for new things. And they've been part of our church. Like I said, they were there right at the beginning when we were holding church in their garage with my maybe five people. And somebody was playing a, uh, a, a tambourine. Another person was playing a Casio thing. And I'd get up and preach. And one person would get saved. Sometimes only half a person would get saved. And... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and then, you know, we got, it just started growing and growing and growing. And now, actually, it's part of our Oxford Falls campus system. We have three campuses in Sydney. So uh, uh, I want to I just talk about a couple other things, though, before, um, before I uh, come around this word, because uh, when I finish, I, we just got to go. And um, do we have that, that roses painting? Oh, it's in the car. Oh, so it's not gonna, you're not going to let these people buy it. All right, because I, I, I was thinking of this, oh, I'm so sorry. This painting, I thought it'd be good for some romantic guy who wanted to, you know, bless his gal on Tuesday. And, uh, <laughs> and this, these are flowers that'll never die. Uh, in fact, they'll increase in value as time goes on. So, you know, it's like, something nice to say, hey, here's my roses for you, baby. And I think it's more than 12. And so uh, you're going to be in the plus, Mr. Jürgen Matesius. And also, uh, my daughter who is with me, Rebecca, why don't you stand up? This is Rebecca. Uh, she's given me, uh, uh, she, she put together this little USB stick and stuck 100 hours of my teaching. It's like 200 messages on there. And uh, you, get the, you get the 20 gigabyte stick or whatever it is, uh, four gigabyte, and, uh, in that, and, and all that teaching, and that's, I think, 99 bucks for that. Now, these, uh, these three books she's handed me um, 
are not, they're not really to do with leadership, although because you've got that in your college. And we've uh, stood in front of that camera in our studio for eight hours some days just teaching, 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 so we can get this online college out there. I'm believing God for a million students to be online. And we're getting all kinds of people. And you know, like, uh, new, when the first night New York did it, New York C3, they got somebody saved. So it's not like it, you just need to be a really advanced believer to come along either. It's pretty basic leadership stuff, uh, which is most of my, my leadership stuff. I want everybody to be able to have an influence in the world. And so it's not just for some highly qualified crowd. And I couldn't do it then anyway. But, uh, you know, it's for, it's for all of us simple folk who want to really be able to have an influence, understand principles of influence and leadership. And, and get a hold of them. But these books are like for everybody. This, this book, a lot of people, if they got a restaurant or something, they, they have it in their restaurant. It's called But God. 65 times the Bible says, But God. They crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So there's a but God factor in all of our world. All of us should get the but of God happening in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I These away, give them away, like for nothing. Golly, all right. I love giving things away. Yeah, we, we get in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving in the spirit, that's very powerful. I'm going to talk a bit about that right now. And you got to be a, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all right. No, I like it. Yeah, I love giving things away. I, uh, I give too many things away, and uh, somebody gave me, gave me a watch, uh, um, uh, oh, they've given me lots of watches over the years, but somebody gave me like a, a very expensive watch, a Rolex, $25,000 Rolex, uh, and I said, wow, that's, that's incredible, and I'm sitting in a meeting uh, in our church, and a guy is preaching uh, at our men's conference, and the Lord said, give him the watch. Do you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy with stuff. I, I, I give cars, uh, all kinds of things away. But for some reason, that watch got me. I'm going, God, I've given houses. And given, you want everything, don't you? You know what I mean? <laughs> not my watch. Not the watch. So I didn't. I didn't give it to the guy. I didn't give it to the guy. I sat there, I thought, okay, no, I'm not. But it kept bugging me. It, bug, it was bugging me, and somebody else had given me another cheaper Rolex earlier on, which I didn't wear much. It was $6,000, and I was at another conference, because now I, uh, you know, so I, I couldn't wear this other one. Every time I put it on, my conscience would be pricked. I said, oh, so I started wearing the cheaper one. Well, not that cheap, but, you know, it's like less expensive. And so I'm at this other conference, and I thought, I'll give this one away, and that'll fix up the other one, you know? I'll sort of give this in the place of. So I gave it to this guy. And uh, I thought, got it fixed now. And I went back <clears throat> to uh, Sydney, and you know, and a whole year went by. I'm sitting in a minute, I've forgotten all about it. And we, for some reason, had the same guy preaching again that year. And I'm sitting there, and suddenly the Lord says, give him the watch. I go, oh, no, I gave the other one away. You know, that was meant to fix up for this. That was meant to cover for this one. He said, no, don't cover for that one. Give it to him. And I, oh, I said, all right, I'm just going to go and do it. I went up to him. I said, would you wear this if I gave it to you? He said, yeah, I guess I would, you know. And uh, 
So I, I said, you know, it's not going to make you feel embarrassed or something. You can't worship anymore. Lift your hands in case people <laughs> criticize you, you know, or whatever. So he said, no, 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 no. So I, I, I gave it to him, and he said, i got to tell you, I just left my church, and I've been there for 30 years, and I left them with a, a you know, $10 million building, and we've started hundreds of churches. We've done all kinds of things over that time, and they sort of didn't give me anything. I said, see ya. And the new guy really kicked me out. He said, and this is like the Lord saying, thank you. And he's crying. He's crying. I thought, oh, ask somebody else next time, Lord. You know, I was like... <laughs> But, yeah, I gave it to him. You know, anyway, so, so, so this, that my wife, we were in Korea uh, last year uh, in October, and she went up all the knockoff shops, you know, <laughs> pirate shops. She found this one for 240 bucks. said, I'll buy you that one until the real one comes along. Amen. So I am proudly wearing a fake Rolex given to me by my wife today. Amen. Just want to let you know. Oh, golly, it's a hilarious thing, isn't it? Giving, because sometimes it, it, it really, the Lord, I mean, you can give anything, but then there's one thing, uh, it's just that thing that, that God's talking about. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about that, but uh, there it is. So, uh, I, Ezekiel 37, I want you to come with me uh, there, and uh, <clears throat> in these next 20 minutes, I, uh, I just want to uh, bring... Some to you that is about the beginnings of everything. Uh, over in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, uh, and everything that was made was made by Him. So that you discover that the Word is not a principle, it's a person. Wow. Wow. And this is really important because you've got to understand, you will see me on that online college talking to you about a lot of principles. And you'll see, uh, you're hearing this, me talking about a lot of principles. You, you can get a hold of John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And, uh, and then you'll find seven principles of problem solving. All these things like principles, keys, words. And I'm right into them. But you've got to understand that the principles of God work for anybody. Anybody. It doesn't matter whether you're rich, poor. Saved, unsaved, young, old, good person, bad person. Doesn't matter. If you go put a seed in the ground, doesn't matter who you are, the principle works. The seed will grow. The plant will grow. So it's important that we understand the principles of God, but they're not so that we can operate independently of God. God wants us to know these principles so that we can, in submission to what He wants us to do, carry out the will of God, because you won't carry out the will of God without doing these principles of God. You cannot work the works of God without understanding the ways of God. Moses understood his ways, Israel saw his works, the book of Psalms says. When you understand how God does things, you can actually do the works of God. I could give you teaching right now on how to work a miracle. It's not that hard. There are simple principles on how to work a miracle. I know you want to know how. Go to the online college. Amen. We talk about it there. This morning, I want to talk to you about connecting the principles with the person. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That's what John 1 says. He was in the beginning with God. So the Word has suddenly become a person. Now, let me say this to you. The, the Greek writers, Plato, Philo, 
all these great histor historical writers from the Grecian period, they all, they all talked about the Word. And when they said the Word, they said Logos. And the word Logos was never translated the Word. It was translated the reason or the meaning. So when they said, when they, when they would explain something to you, they'd say, the reason for this happening is, or the logos for this happening is, or else they'd say the meaning of life, the logos of life. So you could easily say about John 1.1, in the beginning was the meaning, and the meaning was with God, and the meaning was God. Or else you could say in the beginning was the reason, and the reason was God, and the reason was with God. So when you discover the word, you discover the meaning of life. But suddenly that word, word, the logos, becomes a person. It says he was in the beginning. The meaning of life is a person. The reason of life is a person. And when you connect the principles of God with the person of God, and you get a relationship going with God, you're not dealing with a principle in the universe. You're not dealing with the, a force. You're not dealing with the universe. I've heard people say, when you do these sorts of things, the universe conspires to help you. You know, like, because they're understanding there are laws at work. When you start to prophesy, when you start to say things, and it, when you plant a seed in the ground, you could say the universe is conspiring to help you. It's the laws of what God has put in place. However, God is wanting you and I to get connected to Him so that just like I sewed that watch, I was obedient to a person. There was not just a principle involved. If that's all it was, I wouldn't have done it. But a person was involved whom I have said, you're going to rule my life. Most of us don't want anybody to rule our life. We don't want to do what we're told. We want to do what we want to do. How many of us in this room would agree to our parents telling us who to marry? Huh? Some of us should have listened. Some of us should have listened. Huh? We're on number three now, you know? Whatever. Maybe four, you know? Of course I believe in marriage. I've done it three times. Amen. It's like, <clears throat> it's the, the thing is, we live in a really broken up world, and a lot of it is because we want the principles, but we don't want the person. We want to have the principles so that we can operate independently of God. Now, when I was writing that book on faith, who my daughter gave, gave it away to somebody, that book on faith, I had finished it in about 1980, uh, 1983, but I could not publish that book for years. It was about three years later. Because it wasn't what I'd written. There was like two pages in there that I needed to have right that I didn't have quite right in there. And that was I understood the principle of faith clearly. But God wanted me to understand what it was to relate faith to the person of Jesus. So that I would use faith to do what he wanted me to do. See, God, Jesus went into, he went into a, 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 a pool area where there were, it was, says it was full of sick people, filled with sick people. He only healed one guy. What's wrong with him? He's got the healing power. Why doesn't he heal them all? Because his father didn't tell him to. He said, I only do what my father tells me to do. 
He says, in fact, I cannot do anything that my Father has not already revealed to me. So what I see my Father do, that's what I'm doing. And a lot of us as believers have cottoned on all kinds of principles, and we're in touch with the principles. But I tell you, your highest person to be in touch with is Jesus himself. Regardless of anything else, you need to centralize Christ and decentralize principles. So in this book in, in Ezekiel, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out. I love another translation which says, The power of God came upon me and carried me away. And I've got to say to you, a principle is never going to carry you away, but God will. When His hand comes on your life, He's going to carry you away. And getting carried away in the presence of God is an experience that every one of us need to have. That being carried away is relationship. You know, when I was, uh, when, when I was, when I was a teenager, I was 16 years old, I met a young girl at, at, at not a church, at school, I didn't go to church, whose name was Christine. I'm still married to her today. We weren't married then. We were just boyfriend, girlfriend. And I heard she kind of liked me, so I chased her, and we started going out with each other. And I would ring her up. Her phone number was 3049. Mine was 5134. You can tell it was a really big town that we lived in. So I rang her up, and I'd say, hi, how are you? She'd go, I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What you doing? Nothing, nothing much different since you rang me up 10 minutes ago. What you doing now? <laughs> and then you just kind of hang there on the phone saying nothing. It's kind of breathing. How weird is that? You got carried away. Your heart's been stolen. You got a relationship. And sometimes the Lord might like you just to pick up the phone and breathe. Turn the TV off. Turn the Xbox off. Turn the Wii off. And just sit there. You say, ah, oh, my home's so noisy. I can't just sit there. Get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's quiet then. And just sit there and say, hey. You might not hear much, but, you know, things will change. Because if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And that's where life transforming happens. Not just drawing near to a principle. Studying principles. This is what I got to do. This is how I'm going to live life. This is what I'm going to make happen. I'm just got to do this. I got to do that. It's not like a, a, a substitute form of the Old Testament. I got to do this. I got to do this if I want to have life. I tell you, there's only one source of life. And it's Jesus himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nothing comes to the Father but by me. Your connection with Jesus is super important. The hand of the Lord came upon me. God came upon me. I got close to God, and I got carried away. That's what Ezekiel is saying. I didn't just get close to Bible college or principles or anything else. I actually got close to the Father, 
and I got carried away. So I got, I'm going to move quickly here. And then he, he carried me away, but then he sent me down in a valley that was full of bones. God has got a purpose for you, but getting touched by God becomes before the purpose. Everybody wants to discover, why am I here? What am I doing? He is the reason. In the beginning was the meaning. In the beginning was the reason, and the reason was with God, and the reason was God. When you discover Him, you'll find that He is enough. Paul says, I have counted everything else as loss that I might win Jesus. I want to know Him better than anybody. And this is the master architect of the church, the guy who draws up the Magna Carta of the entire church world in the New Testament. This is the guy who gets stopped by Jesus in heaven as he's walking along the road to Damascus. This is the guy who's got the biggest call in history on his life. He says, it's all nothing compared to Him. He's what I really want. I don't care what I've done, what I've achieved, the good and the bad, He is far above everything else. And you will find that if you can connect with Him, Jesus will satisfy you to the deepest level of anybody else. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus comes knocking to, on the door of the church to the Laodiceans, uh, Revelation 3.20. And He says, hey, I'm knocking on the door, would you let me in? The trouble with this door is that the door handle, there's only one and it's on the inside. He, he hadn't got the door handle. There is no door handle on the outside. He's just knocking, and there's something, though, a door between you and him. And he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians in church because it's a letter to the church. He's saying, hey, would you let me into that church? Would you let me into your life? I know you've got a lot of principles going on in there. I know you've got a lot of programs and purposes. Could I come in? Would you let the person come in? Not just the person who gave the principles, but the, the person of Jesus. He says, and, and I'm knocking on the thing that's between you and me. And that thing between you and me, like that little Rolex thing I had, was like a door. It was a blockage. He knocked on it. And you might find there are things in your life that are getting knocked around. And that can be Jesus, knocking around the very thing that's standing between you and Him. And once you open up on that area, He comes in. He says, we're going to hang out. We're just going to eat together. We're going to fellowship. Because that's the ache of God. He so loves you. He so wants to hang out with you. More than anything else in the entire universe, God has a quest for a relationship with you. He would die to have that. And he has. So he could walk in the cool of the evening, and you could talk together and say, hey, hey. Sometimes just saying nothing. Just breathing, just being there in His presence, saying, you're enough, Lord. So He sets you down, after you've done that, with your purpose in a valley, a depressed place, and it's full of dry bones. You might, you might find yourself in a, in a valley that's got a lot of dry bones in it right now. It might be a family valley, it might be a job valley, it could be a housing valley, it could be a financial valley, it could be any kind of valley and it's full of dry bones. The reason you are there is not to complain about it, but to transform it. And at the beginning of any transformation, like a new church in Carlsbad, this church is going to have a thousand people in it before you know it. You better start reserving your seat and knowing what service you're going to come to, because before the end of a couple years, there's going to be like five services a Sunday in here with thousands of people getting saved, coming in, worshiping God. My thing, I want them to discover Jesus. Because I know that He is going to actually see them through for the rest of their life. 
inside the church, that's where Christ is meant to be discovered. So he set him in the midst of the valley. It was full of bones. He caused me to pass by them all around. Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can we reach Carlsbad? Can we reach San Diego? Can we reach California? Can we reach New York? Can we reach Sydney? Can we do it? And he's asking us, what, where's your faith level at on, on these things? And he, he's going like, golly, God, I don't know. I can believe a little bit. But he says, you know, Lord. That's a smart answer. Then he says in verse 4, then he said, this is the answer. This is how it's going to happen. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So then he started to speak and he started to say, this is what's going to happen to you. Now, it's the beginning of a year, 2012. It's the beginning of Carl's bad morning service. It's the beginning of the Carl's bad whole thing here. Really, October is all you've been here. You know, it's like, it's the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning of anything is the Word of God. It is the creative force of God. What you speak about this place is what's going to happen. What you have spoken about your life is what you're living out now. If you're thinking my life, I don't know if the word sucks is, is any good here, but I'll just say it anyway. If I'm saying my life sucks, then possibly the way I've spoken about my life is the sum total of how I'm living today. You can change a valley of dry bones by speaking to them. You can change any kind of circumstance in your life. Now, here's the thing. The day that Jesus spoke to a fig tree, nothing happened. Nothing happened. I mean, when he spoke to the wind and the storm and the waves, everything happened. It just went bang like that. But not all prophecies happen in a second. The day he spoke to the fig tree, he said, fig tree, nothing ever's gonna eat. nobody's ever going to eat anything from you again. And it wasn't like he was prophesying. He just made a statement. But you know that little fig trees standing there, wa lay, leaves are waving in the wind? It didn't look like anything happened at all. It looked like nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. The next day, the disciples said, wow, look at that. The fig tree that you cursed has died from the roots up. He didn't say, I curse you, fig tree. He just said, nobody's going to eat fruit from you ever again. But they interpreted that kind of statement as a curse. I've heard fathers say about their children, hi, oh, kid's no good. He's never going to amount to anything. You might as well have said, I curse your child. Because a statement like that kills in the, world of the, in the world of the spirit, and the spirit rules over the natural world and starts to do something. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. The facts are, you might be having trouble with your teenager, but they're an awesome kid. They're an amazing child, and they're going to turn around. They're eventually going to stand straight up on the inside and they'll put you to shame by how they're living. You are going to find yourself. You might say, my marriage is just, just going down the drain. Why don't you say my marriage is turning around? There's the fig tree with its little leaves waving in the wind and nothing's happened. Say, oh, nothing happened. Keep speaking. Keep speaking. You keep speaking. When he started speaking to this valley, it didn't all happen at once. It took time. There was rattling. There was noises. Bones started coming together. It didn't all go bam, and then it was done. It took a process. It took time. But as he kept prophesying, he found it kept happening. 
All of us together have an amazing ability with the words of our lips, with the words of our mouth. And the Bible says, speak the same thing. God wants all of you to prophesy and to prophesy exactly the same thing about this Carlsbad congregation. I want to go quickly. I've got about two minutes to go. So I prophesied in verse 7, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Let me tell you, the church works when bones are joined to bones. When you start saying, this church is united, this church is not divided, don't you dare criticize and pull down your pastor or anybody else around here. If you're going to do that, just go now. We're having too much fun to have the critics and the miserable people around. Just leave now. If you want to be a builder, then stick around. Most fools criticize, and you know, that's the fact of the, of the matter. Any fool can criticize, and most fools do. The deal is, Jesus called us to build the church, and we build it with words. We prophesy to the negative circumstances of valley. We don't come, oh, look at these dry old bones. Golly, well, they're hopeless, those people. You know, my God. Did you see her this week? She had the same dress as me. You know, I don't know. Look at her hair. My God. We get caught up with such silly little things, especially if you get offended. Now, listen, there's going to come a day when Jürgen does something that you wonder about. I know that's hard to believe. He's the most inoffensive person on earth. Forgive me, Jesus. Amen. You know, it's like... There's stuff that's going to happen in church. And, and you might have your, your little pot plant commitment going on. You know, your pot plant church. And I've met them. You know, where, where I mean, church member. Where, where people, they kind of got their, their little pot plant going on here. And they, they've been at a couple churches. They're looking around going like, oh, I don't know. You know, I've been hurt before in church life. You know, something's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. You know, gonna, oh, there it is. All right, I'm off. Pick up your pot and off you go and sit down another church. That's not unity. Break the pot. Let your roots go down in the congregation. Build something that lasts. You will flourish in the courts of God because you are planted in the house of God. You flourish once you're planted. And as soon as you uproot again, fruitfulness that God has intended for you just doesn't happen because it takes time. But sometimes winds blow. You know those winds that are blowing, they're strengthening your root system. That's all they're doing. And I'm starting to get the action going inside. And you might think, oh, I'm not liking this wind. This wind's blowing me around a lot. It's actually doing you good. And you find that when you're hitting a valley situation, speaking to it, say, this is going to work out. All things work together for good. I'm going to overcome this thing. And keep the bones joining together. Now, listen to me. As this church grows, bone structures get stretched, like ball and socket. There's a stretching. That's why you have ligaments around joints. That's why Paul says we, are, we nourish one another through joints and ligaments. We are joined together by bone structure, and the ligament holding us together is commitment. When that bone is stretched, and you're not really loving the, the, the connection, the commitment to make it through in your marriage, in your family, in church life, will make it through. So he said, I prophesied, and the bones came together, bone to, bone to their bone. Then I prophesied to the breath, and the breath came into them. And they came alive. Man, you need to come to presence because I'm going to finish that message there. Amen. Breath will come into them. The breath of God brings life wherever it goes. 
and you're going to live. And then they stood up. Once breath is on the inside, you stand up and become an army. Listen to me. An army is not one person. It's not Rambo trying to take the world. It's every single one of us. And as you start this year, put your hand up and become an intern. Put your hand up and become, become somebody who serves in the house. Put your hand up and say, you know what? I don't want to just sit here and, and pass comments on everything. I want to be part of the army. Armies find themselves in fights. Armies find themselves in battles. They're not, that's, they're not on a picnic. And you will find yourself in some battles. But you're built for it. You're robust, you're strong, you're a soldier. Stand up with me as we finish here this morning.